Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are looking at a little, uh, what do we got, four games here on a Tuesday night in the NBA, Nate. In this one, we're taking a look at the Bulls and the Brooklyn Nets. Nets on a back-to-back after finally getting their second win of the season. Apparently, they play each and every night of the season as well, so we are going to continue to talk about them. Want to make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us as we bring you these game videos and our player props video each and every weekday of this regular season. Also have our great odds finder tool on the lines.com. That's where you can go ahead and make sure you are shopping all of those U- those lines across U.S. sportsbooks to the best of your ability. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into these lines here and talk Bulls and Nets. Yeah, to be exact, this is the sixth game in a week here for the Nets. Um, or sixth game, fifth game in, in a week, um, excuse me. I mean, they almost are playing every night, though. And on a back-to-back situation, they are minus one and a half right now at home. That total shrunk a little bit to 230. I haven't heard anything in terms of Kyrie or Katie sitting, but that's a possibility here. Zach Levine is expected to go for the Bulls and then sit tomorrow as he manages his knee. Uh, Second game here, Warriors are plus one at Heat. They just beat the Heat at home, but different story in Miami. Steph Curry is good to go with that neck issue. Magic plus two and a half at the Thunder. And then the other game we break down right now, the Wolves are plus three and a half at the Suns, who are expected to be be without DeAndre Ayton. But we really like the Suns at at a shrinking spread there. Uh, I think there's some great value. But looking at the Nets on a back-to-back here, they held out Ben Simmons last night. I don't know if it was kind of a the same thing that the Lakers did with Russ Westbrook, which is like to see, let's maybe see if we play better without him. And they got a win. I mean, granted, it was against the Pacers. Um, and But it really freed up Nick Claxton to be that rim runner, to, to live in the dunker spot and get 19 points. Um, Seth Curry also held out after really struggling in his debut. And Utah... Watanabe played 22 minutes, was a negative 16, actually got the like game winning stop on Halliburton in which he just fouled the shit out of him and it wasn't called. Um, So, I mean, he's terrible. He had a minus 16 rating. (laughs) Just had to throw that out there because but the pace to backs last year as home favorites, they were five and 29 against the spread on short rest. It's really a really short rest when you look at the entire week here. It's really hard to trust them. Last year, they were four, nine and one against the spread. On on back, and uh, yeah, you you asked me to repeat that because it's so stark. Five and twenty nine as home favorites here, not really a spread. We uh, just thought it was kind of ridiculous that that was not called. Look, the Nets just still did cover, so did not screw our pick in any way. We're talking about, we're just talking about the Bulls winning here. Um, I I think I definitely lean that way. We talked again and again the last few videos for the Nets that they can't get a rebound. They won the rebounding battle by one against the Pacers, uh, who only played Miles Turner 20 minutes. Look, I would be all over the Nick Vucevic props here when when we get them up. Um, I'm I'm looking at DeMar DeRozan as well once we get those up because, yeah, I, the, the Nets are just a sieve down low, uh, worst defensive rating right now and they, they they're not going to win the rebounding battle here DeRozan is excellent in clutch time um the Bulls just beat the the Celtics taking advantage of, of short rest for those Celtics and you know if the Celtics are an excellent offensive team that's underachieving defensively right now the Nets are a 
two-man offensive team that is never going to be good on defense this year, it appears. So I think it's if it's the same situation, you got to like the Bulls to pull out the win here. And I kind of lean towards the over as long as Katie and Kyrie are in. I think if you can get it to keep dropping a little bit, you, you should be all over that. Look, the, the Bulls have averaged 233 in their last four games here. They're playing with more pace um, and they're averaging 119 on their own in that span. So, you know, the Nets are going to come with the points. So I, I think the over is a good play as well. Yeah, the, the over scares me a bit when you look at the under for the net when they're on no rest. Um, I, I think there's good reason for it. That's the only reason, you know, I, I agree that, at, you know, from a, just a maybe a quick bird's eye view, you go two thirty. I mean, it's two thirty. It's fluctuating between two thirty and two thirty two right now is that total. Um, the Nets are don't play defense. Um, there's no D in their name, so I can't make a funny pun about how they don't have any D. Um, but they just like you said, you know, already, you know, second worst defensive rating at this point. Um, they actually got somehow got a little bit worse in rebounding last night, despite winning. Um, as we look at their stats on back to back nights, um, still, you know, they, well, their defensive rating got a bit worse, still the third worst net rating in, in, in the league. And the, the recipe for for beating this team is shoot threes and really, you know, just let Katie and, and Kyrie eat and just allow nobody else. And that's really, you know, when when the Pacers made their it was a total game of runs for the Nets. And I think it's going to continue to be for most of the season uh, in that game against the Pacers last night. Um, you know, runs, runs, they're up 17. They're up four. They're up, you know, 20 again. They're up four. So, um, you know, you just you don't trust them. And it's obvious what's happening. KD, Kyrie aren't on the floor to just score buckets every every single time down for them um, and take all of their shots. There's, there's no offense without those two guys. There's no ball movement. Uh, there's a lot of standing in the corners and watching in your turn, my turn. And um, you know, that leads to bottom league and unassisted field goals. It leads to once again, both these teams being in the top three in uh, percentage of their points off of the mid range from two point when you have guys like Kyrie, Katie, and then DeMar, uh, that's going to be how you score a lot of your points when those guys all have the highest usage on your team. Um, but if, if you can't defend the three, like the nets can, um, not that the Bulls are necessarily shooting the most threes and, and, and making a ton of them, um, but they have some pretty good percentages from from their guys that are shooting anywhere from like three to seven a game. We're talking about Zach Levine, uh, Ayo Desunmu, Gorin, Vooch, uh, and, and actually uh, leave Vooch out of it. But all those guys I just said are shooting 45 percent from three. Vooch is still shooting a nice 47 or 37 percent himself. So I, I just think there's too many opportunities for uh, for this, this Bulls team to take advantage of a Nets porous wing defense and, and wing everything. And that's. Um, that just feels like it's like the strong middle class of the Nets is just not there. There is no strong middle class. There's just top tier guys. And then there's some guys that you're using to plug holes when you, you don't you know, it, it's not like you, you have a squad that's that's good enough that you can just plug a Nick Claxton in and not expect that to hurt you in certain ways. I mean, he, I don't want to pick on him too much. He's played decently well, but he's not the guy that you need uh, in the center for them. If you're going to play the type of ball that they're going to play. I, I have a lot of thoughts about that for the Nets in terms of the style of play that they have after watching them uh, twice already this season uh, for the entire game but yeah we'll see what happens with with Simmons I, I just I, I'm scared to touch the total I'm gonna take Chicago um, and I'm gonna feel pretty good about it because you know even last year when these two teams played they the, the Nets needed a, a uh, Kyrie Harden KD uh, fest if you will in order to even beat this team and they won that game 138-112 in classic Hardy Harden Kyrie KD era Nets basketball which was super short-lived but that was what it was it's it's not the same team anymore um, they don't even have the same I, I, I hate to say it but like 
like Blake Griffin was at least somewhat decent for them down low defensively compared to, to what they have this season. Uh, I just I just continue not to like it. There was no way they were going to beat uh, the, the the Pacers by nine last night. And, and I feel pretty good about taking Chicago at plus money and might as well just hit that money line at this point. Yeah, no Bruce Brown is who I wanted to interject there as as a key yeah. role player. But yeah, there's several guys out, like we said, you know, Seth Curry not healthy yet. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that that the total is a little concerning because the Bulls' path to victory might be containing Kyrie and KD. And it's interesting, the matchups that they have to throw at them with Caruso and Kyrie, first of all. Uh, he wasn't active for any of their matchups with the Nets last year. And, and Kyrie's last three games against the Lakers with Caruso active, 18 points per game, a 98 offensive rating. Uh, granted, you know, Caruso a little better rim protection behind him there, but that's... That's some good individual defense from him when he was on there. And, and Pat Williams really just locking in on that end of the floor, not not playing offense at all. So he can at least give KD some trouble here with the guys on a back to back. Asked to carry such a huge load once again last night combined for over 60. The only path to the victory path to victory for the Nets um, and then the Bulls actually do have a big three with Vooch, you know, Levine and DeRozan, right? They actually have three guys that can give you 20 plus and probably will against this poor defense. So I think it's pretty confident on the money line here. It's right now just plus 102. I think that's where you lean. Um, and you can look at the total if you want, but I would rather go money line and then look at props for those for those two most confident guys, DeRozan and Vucevic. Yeah, I'm with it. Um, there, especially if if Levine doesn't play, I think it's it's likely that he does. But I, I think the other reason, you know, I, I prefer an under. Yeah, I don't trust the Nets if those two guys don't score close to 70 points for them to get you know 115 or so to get us close to our, our, our total there. Um, and then I, you know, I, I really don't really trust a lot of the supporting cast on offense outside of Gorin and Dasunmu right now. Outside of those big three, like you said, uh, Caruso, Pat Williams, Kobe White, the three main guys that that that. that need to come in and play you know a supporter role and and, and potentially get some points for these guys um not really showing up kobe white had a few flashes at the beginning of the season where we thought maybe he was going to be the the player we thought he was uh right back down to his 38 percent from the field 29 percent from three so there's just not a lot to love in terms of this being an offensive explosion in my opinion neither of these teams also plays fast enough um to feel good if they're not super efficient on offense but like you said i'm sticking with it with a bulls and and damar you know favorite fan favorite and uh definitely friend of the show damar Rosen and his props as he was super successful for us last season. So the game we get to here right now, Wolves are plus three and a half at the Suns. The totals 227. Uh, it opened at plus five for the Wolves. And I don't really understand why the Wolves are picking up steam here. They have been decidedly average here with Rudy Gobert added to the fold. Uh, 15th in points per game and 15th in points allowed after being the, the, the highest scoring team in the league last year, right? So the offense is not getting any better with that spacing. We'll talk about the defense in a second, but you know those average numbers come against what might be the softest schedule in the league. The Thunder twice, the Spurs three times, they lost two of those, the Jazz and then the Lakers. So they have not played what you would consider a playoff team at this point. And last year when they were underdogs, they were nine and nineteen on the road. They were fifteen and twenty-eight straight up uh, in general, and with a negative five margin of victory. And then the Suns, you know, they didn't necessarily cover a lot at home, twenty-four and twenty-four against the spread because those spreads were huge. 
but they yeah. were 41 and 10 straight up since since the start of last year and the average margin is eight and a half points so at, at plus three and a half and minus three and a half if you're looking from the sun's perspective i feel very confident especially when you look at the recent history against minnesota they've won seven of their last eight they've won by double digits in three of their last four at home uh and the one loss you look at just like screams outlier and and cat 42 and 41 points combined 55 percent field goal shooting the Suns committed 22 turnovers. They never do that. They sent the Wolves to the line 35 times, and then they've won four straight since against the Wolves, uh, committing just 14 turnovers, sending them to the line 21 times. So they've obviously shored that up. And even in that loss, Josh, they shot 42% from three, and they won the rebounding battle. <clears throat> and, you know, the the Wolves, like, what are they doing well with Gobert? They're keeping people off the free throw line. Whoop-de-doo, like that, that's not the Suns game. They don't care about getting the free throw line. They're still allowing the, the most assists per game. That's a big problem against the be- the most efficient team in basketball. Still allowing yeah. the second most three-point attempts. And, you know, it's kind of the 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 knock on Gobert is that, oh, you know, you can play him off the floor by but that's not really the case. What the situation is, is if you go four out against the Gobert led defense and those four defenders can't keep anybody in front of them then you're going to get good shots. You're going to get them in rotation. And that's exactly what we saw with the Jazz in that Clippers series a couple years ago. And that's what we're seeing now with the Wolves giving up a very good shot diet. And I absolutely trust Monty Williams and CP3 and Booker to get great shots here tonight. I think the Suns could lead wire to wire here and potentially just blow out another team. I mean, they've they've blown out four straight opponents. So why not? Why not? Indeed, um, they're 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 back on their bullshit, as we say. The Phoenix Suns just mirroring what they did last year. Um, people thought Jay Crowder was really important, and I'm sure he was. Other guys are stepping up uh, already for them. Same exact concept as last season. Just be in the top four in both offensive and defensive rating. What could possibly go wrong? Um, sounds easy, but it's also it's just discipline. Like you said, um, if if the Minnesota is going to win this game, it's going to be because they just muck it up and just make it this messy, gross thing. Similar to how when you're an underdog in football, you're really just looking for that weird turnover game. You want to mess it up, right, and get out of the norm. And I think that's what Minnesota is going to try to do. I mean, they already still they're already in the top three or four in terms of pace this season. Also helps that they're playing the Spurs to continue to play at that that high that pace as well it seems they play them once a week at this point um so those two teams usually playing at about 104 pace when they match up um that's what they want to do here and, and Phoenix it's obviously just polar opposites for them right they're, they're happy to to play at a, a a much much slower pace as they continue to do this season as they did last season I mean it's it's about average for the league or uh, you know bottom half if you will but it's still um you know it, it, it's still just slow compared to Minnesota right I mean Phoenix playing at like a 99 pace is still like pretty normal in the NBA it's not like they're playing super slow it's just very methodical um, you look at once again the fourth quarter and clutch time um, and what they do and, and there's a couple teams with a higher net rating than them and that's one of them is San Antonio because they keep playing Minnesota and having clutch time minutes and just destroying them once they get to the fourth quarter um, you've seen sort of the, the same sort of like fluctuation in the games when in Minnesota's games in a, a lot of ways come 
out slow, maybe try to come back with some, you know, really good offense when it comes together for a few possessions and then right back into the second half with finding deficits and then really getting into the fourth quarter and not playing good basketball. So um, the fact that teams are also scoring so many second chance points against them is absolutely wild. I mean, Minnesota's in the top 10 in terms of their second chance points and opportunities, but right, how are they at the worst team in terms of giving up opponents second chance points when you just picked up Rudy Gobert for this exact reason, right? And it's it's a lot of spacing. Um, as you mentioned, the, the spacing is, is definitely messing them up on offense. It also seems to be messing them up on defense. Uh, Rudy Gobert is being pulled out uh, above the foul line a lot more than he wants to. They're bottom, well, they're in the, you know, right in the smack dab in the middle of the league in terms of allowing points in the paint. Um, so it's, it's just all the things that they were hoping to get better at, they didn't. And all the things that they were doing well last year, they've gotten worse at because Rudy Gobert comes in and mucks up their spacing. So uh, I took an under on this team's total uh, before the season started. I think the Ant Edwards sort of issue that was a little bit swept under the rug, but man, it seems to have impacted him a lot that in the state of Georgia, where he's from, you know, he, he goes viral on a video, uh, you know, having some sort of a few slurs, if you will, in a way, it wasn't the worst thing that's ever been said, but it was clearly homophobic. And it's something that a lot of people have said to this point, it still seems to be affecting him. His, the main thing for me in his game seems to be, he's not attacking and there seems to be a lack of confidence and he's not getting to the rim. Um, and it's too high of a percentage of his shots are still coming from uh, three point and even the mid range right now. And he's, he's a young dude who's more athletic than pretty much everybody on the floor as soon as he steps on it. Uh, so you really want to see him make that kind of turnaround there for them. But yeah, for, for me, there's just two, I'm not as concerned of eight with eight and not playing all the things that, that they need their center to do really Phoenix is mostly just defend and keep a big guys out of the paint and your Bismack Biombo, Jock Londale has been playing absolutely out of his mind for someone who you did just kind of came out of nowhere as a reserve guy last year and is now, you know, hitting threes and is a really nice pick and pop partner uh, for CP3 and is not a full liability on defense. So you can keep him on the floor without Aiton in the last two seasons. They're 19 and six. It's pretty much the same percentage as they're 51 and 13 when he is on the floor. Uh, so I'm really not concerned about that being uh, if that's a reason that people are, are money's coming in on Minnesota. That's not going to stop me from betting on Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, the one thing you would like from Aiden is when you say pull Gobert out to the free throw line is is a good mid-range shooter. Mm -hmm. And Biombo is certainly not that. Lundell has not yet found the range in the NBA. But like I said, I mean, their drive and kick game is going to be on point. And Monty Williams obviously knows what he has in his team. This is the reigning coach of the year. And the the Wolves, I mean, whether it's coaching or whether it's leadership and, and the general malaise that they're in, I mean, they've been the worst third quarter team in the NBA in terms of scoring. Second worst in terms of defense. Their numbers in the fourth quarter are good, but like you said, like skewed by playing teams like the Spurs, who were actually way, way better than them in the clutch. And if the Spurs are going to destroy you in the clutch, what about the most clutch team of all time uh, last season? You know, now both both guys still healthy, and they're just rolling. Like you said, 19 net rating, shooting over 50% from the floor diming up at the highest rate best assist to turnover ratio and you go up against a team that allows the most assists per game uh and and like you said yeah struggling with his confidence i mean it's gonna hurt your confidence to go up against mikhail bridges who's just maybe the best perimeter defender in the league and since he that explosion you know four games since Ants averaging 16 and a half points on 33 percent shooting against mikhail and the Suns. so I don't really see a path to victory for the Wolves if Anthony Edwards is not going off to match points with those two uh, dynamic guards on the Suns. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think you can you can feel pretty good about some some points for uh, and, and some stats for both those guys as well in terms of Chris uh, Paul and Devin Booker, both of whom uh, do increase their their usage a bit. Not surprisingly, when uh, Aiton is not in the in the game at this point, uh, I do think it's a bit of a detriment to them. Obviously, not having that that, that dude to be able to to shoot the big guy to be able to shoot and score from beyond the foul line, um, but still, once again. Plenty happy to, uh, to 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 ride the uh, the duo of, of Chris Paul and Devin Booker in this one. So you're listening to the Lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first play a prop for tonight. Yeah, it's up just in the nick of time here as we record at around 11 a.m. Eastern time. Was waiting on DeMar DeRozan, um, kind of projected 26 and a half points for the prop, and it's 25 and a half. It's actually 24 and a half at DraftKings with negative 125 odds there, but I would go ahead and take the better juice for 25 points. Um, I think you can look at FanDuel, those awesome player performance doubles, 25 plus in a win at plus 225. Might as well do that rather than the even money money line here for the Bulls. They're almost certainly going to get a nice game from DeMar uh, and 30 points in a win is plus 430. But you look at the the recent results against the Nets and the the last game they played was that rare Kyrie Kyrie. Wow, I keep twisting on my tongue there. Kyrie KD and James Harden game. I think they played like nine games together all last year um, and they they blew out the Bulls. But then prior to that, two close games, two Bulls wins. DeMar, 29 points, 32% usage rate. DeMar, 28 points, 32% usage rate. And that includes, you know, Zach Levine going off for 31 with a high usage rate in one of those. That also includes a, a runaway win, actually, for the Bulls in the fourth quarter. So they didn't even need DeMar to keep scoring. And he was the third best scorer in clutch time by points per game. The most efficient scorer in clutch time last season and the MVP of our player prop show. So and you also look at what he did on the road. Um Last season, a higher usage rate, 32%, again, that number, and 50% from the floor, averaging 27 and a half. This season, he's averaging 34 in three road games. But the usage rate is, again, what we come back to, 32%. You love that consistency. You love a guy who can just get his shot in the mid-range whenever he wants. And he's facing the worst defense in the league on a back-to-back. I mean, what else? What is there not to like about uh, player props MVP here? 100%. 100%. You're never going to hear me say a bad word about that man, and I will always support picking him. I, I mean, look, we're still by by like the by what December, January, uh, probably January of last season, we were already seeing DeMar props at like 30 and a half when he was scoring 30 a game, like 
whatever, a hundred times in a row last year, whatever he did. So, uh, yeah, especially against this just porous defense, man, I'm happy to take uh, his prop tonight against the Nets. Maybe we'll have a little bit better luck than uh, Mr. Halliburton, who wasn't really able to get it fully going last night, uh, despite picking the game correctly. So let's move on to uh, another game here that uh, it's I don't know, it's a little bit tough to pick. It's the Warriors in Miami. I, I do lean Miami, but I Super lean Jimmy Butler, uh, 30 and a half points and rebounds is nice. That's minus 110 at FanDuel. Uh, if you want to get the uh, extra assist in there, it's another five. So it's 35 and a half PRA uh, for pretty much similar odds there for, for Jimmy. Uh, he's he, he plays well against this uh, against this team, against the against the dubs. The last six, he's played against them about 21 a game, seven and a half boards, six and a half assists, an individual offensive rating about 126. Uh, and that's exactly what he did last week, despite the fact that Steph just kind of took over once the end of the third quarter came around uh, and it became the Steph show then it wasn't really much that Miami could do it there's few teams in the NBA that have a a, a sort of response when Steph goes lights out like he did in that game but still he had 20 uh, Jimmy did 27 6 and 8 8 assists on 8 of 13 shooting Um, and you know they're back home he plays much better at home Uh, 23 points a game are his splits so far with a 25% usage rate at home slightly lower usage rate and only 19 points a game when he's on the road Uh, you look at last year similarly 22 points 6 boards 6 assists he would continue that usage usage rate about 27%. It's obvious that like when they get on the road and a lot of those role players and shooters that are on this team um, that are not playing at home, not that there's a huge raucous crowd in Miami all the time, but at any rate, they're still at home, which is where you expect your role players to play better. And that's where Jimmy's, uh, you know, where Jimmy's usage rate um, is sort of a little bit, you know, more, but, uh, but at this point, you know, for him, it's just Warriors defense is just garbage, man. It's just, I haven't seen anything from it to make me feel like they could really stop a nosebleed at this point, uh, allowing and really also just to shooting guards in general, you see Clay Thompson, not really quite the same dude, not able to move quite as fast laterally. Opposing shooting guards are, are they're allowing the fifth most rebounds per game, the fourth most assists per game. Uh, and you got to expect Jimmy to get his points as well uh, with, with, with the Warriors lack of defense pretty much on all as, uh, on every area of the floor down low and, and outside. Yeah, I expect him to completely fill up the stat sheet uh, tonight. And that's why I, I'm actually intrigued by. Some of these other props, rebounds and assists at just 11 and a half. And that's why it's minus 125 to the over. But I think you could hammer that with some confidence. I mean, Jimmy's a guy who's going to go seven and seven more times than not. He's like the new big game James. I mean, if it, if a good team is coming into his house, like he's going to bring it in all aspects. And steals and blocks, that's plus 140 for three steals and blocks. He had six steals in Golden State. Uh, I believe he had like six steals against the Blazers when they were undefeated and he ca- and he brought it there. So I-, I would hammer both of those as well as the the overall PRA, which can be a little dicier because sometimes he doesn't necessarily look for his offense. He just looks to lead right. on both ends of the floor. Uh, yep. I'm going under here with Anthony Edwards under last night with Trey Young, hella under. Uh, hopefully oh, yeah. we can keep that rolling. Um, and maybe it's because the Suns blow out the Wolves. I, I don't know, but... I think even if he's out there, I'm looking under 26 and a half points and assists for Edwards. I don't think he's going to he's he hasn't really taken a step forward as a playmaker. Like that's the first criticism for sure. Uh, what he's averaging this year is about three assists per game. And and they've played, like I said, the worst teams in the NBA almost. I mean, there's just certainly not any winning teams. And now he goes up against Mikel Bridges, who. You know, since he gave him a 41 piece and that was the only time the Wolves beat the Suns in eight meetings, he's averaging 16 and a half points. He's shooting 33 percent from the floor. You you even include that 41 point per 
performance. He's averaging 22 points with his prop at 22 and a half, shooting under 38%, and he's a minus 26 against the Suns. The Suns, they don't allow assists. They're the second best team, allowing under 20 per game to an entire team. So I I don't expect Edwards, who plays off the ball next to D'Lo, to get much there. I mean, I guess what I'm harping on is maybe you want plus 104 on under three and a half assists because he is a guy that can get you 25, two and two uh, routinely. And that's why I actually talked Josh out of drafting him in fantasy because that's pretty much what he's going to get you. He's not going to be around the box score monster. And so instead, Josh is sitting with Jimmy Butler, Mr. Five Stack Category, and he's rolling uh, Moe's Fantasy League. And that's the last time I swear we're going to mention Jay Boogie's uh, fantasy team here. Uh, I I am not committed to that. Uh, You may not be, but I am not committing to not referencing my (laughs) fantasy team moving forward. But you are correct that I did forego Ant for that exact reason. And I do love, you know, as you were talking, I was like, so you just want us to take under his assist, right? Because like, that's what we're saying here. Um, Like you said, he could randomly just go off and he's one of those guys that doesn't matter once he starts feeling himself. uh, If if he's confident like that, you know, whatever. I I don't want to, you know, bet on him to score less than 23 points necessarily, but I'll take the points plus assist. I'll really just take the assists if I'm getting plus money on that one but I do agree that this is a game that's not tailored uh, for him to be super successful so uh, not feeling too bad about unders of any kind for Mr. Edwards right now I'm going to finish us off here with Lou Dort a guy that I wish we had already been speaking about he's having a really nice season so far Nate and uh, you know I love what the Thunder are doing uh, for sure I've been loving it Uh, I think they're actually going to be trying to win this year as they so far have already beating the uh, the Clippers twice but Dort is at 14 and a half points um, which is about what he's averaging on the season right now um but you know this magic team that they're playing against tonight this is a team that isn't suited to defend Lou Dort who stands at what like six foot four six foot five uh and this team is starting like five seven footers or at least four seven footers or four dudes that are six ten plus (laughs) right four dudes and Terrence Ross who's not really a lights out defender yeah no, definitely not a lights out defender. Um, allowing the second highest assist to turnover ratio are the uh, the the magic because they've got you know there's nobody really suited to to guard these guards. Allowing the fourth most three point attempts. Um, shooting guards are getting this you know the second most assists per game against them, um, which is where Lou is playing. You can get sixteen and a half points and assists. It's just another two assists to to get Lou there. I, I'm happy with the points um, honestly because I, I think you know in his last 15, 19 points a game, five boards, uh, two and a half half assists or so. So it's really, you know, for, for me with him, like I think it's when this team is cooking, it's the ball in Shea's hand uh, and Lou Dort playing off of that and getting some really nice looks from three. He's got about a 25% usage rate in 34 minutes over the last 15, which is great because a lot of times last year you were worried that if you picked a Lou Dort prop, he was going to come out really early. You were same thing with Shea. It does seem like they're trying to win this year a little bit more. Um, but yeah, even, you know, with those 34 minutes, basically his per 36 this season is, is well above, you know, these props. Um, and even in his career, it's the same. So, I think as long as he's getting the minutes, which is what we always harp on with this team, picking any OKC Thunder player, are they getting the minutes? Pretty much we know Josh Giddey's getting the minutes. Is everybody else? If the answer is yes, then let's go ahead and take the over. And that's where we're at with Dort against a pretty bad Orlando team uh, in in terms of their defensive ability. Yeah, that's the key, right? Is just like, is he active? I, I haven't seen too much of the Thunder yeah, playing Dort and then like yanking him because he's playing too well. It's just that they pick up an injury usually in the second half of the season. And what we saw last year is, yeah, they might try the first half and then they'll just start, yeah, benching those guys and and playing for draft picks here. But, yeah, when he's out there, very productive last year, 19 points per 36 minutes. So if he's going to get yeah. that amount of time against a Magic team that, again, 
uh, you have mismatches all over the floor because they just want to play their bigs, then he should he should roll. And his prop is just so much lower than SGA at 27 and a half points. I mean, both those guys should have nice games, but I would much rather take Dory here. I feel it. Yeah, I'm not scared of either prop, to be honest, even the 27 and a half. But it's a bit high for SGA and, and you get a little bit more value with Luke Dort. I'm just happy they're playing their guys, man. It's like it's time to start winning. You've got Chet Holmgren coming back next season. That's basically like a top draft pick. So why not start to see what you have in these guys? Uh, and I think that's what uh, they're finally starting to do. Uh, and they're rolling a bit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the Dort pick there, too. But that is all the time we have for you guys in this one. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us as we bring you these game lines and these player props that we like to stay with. Get hot with you guys on the rest of this week. And until we see you next, happy betting. 